everyone to the uh, NLCC After Sunday podcast. My name is Corey and I am the I'm the worship pastor at North Langley Community Church and I am here with the one and the only lead pastor of North Langley Community Church, Matthew J. Price. <laughs> Matthew J. Price. Yeah, Matthew that's J. wrong. Matthew J. Price. Matthew Jerry, Jerry Lynn Price. It's, uh, <laughs> is that not right? I just want everyone to know, no, I want everyone to know it's uh, B. B uh, for Brandon. B for, oh, right, Braz, and, uh, and your parents, yeah, I, I remember you telling me once that your dad was a huge fan of the Killers and Brandon Flowers, and so that was kind of where that came from after a, <laughs> it was a weird weekend or something, if I remember correctly. Yeah, nope, nope, you got that <laughs> no, whole no, story wrong. That was a different, yeah, that was a different, okay, yeah, yeah, gotcha. Um, well, hey, uh, Matthew, it's good to uh, chat with you, and by the way, uh, we should, you know, full disclosure here, we are actually in separate locations. Um, I'm here in my little home studio office, and Matthew, you are... Uh, you're in Alberta because you're visiting and kind of being there with Tanya and her family because her father is, uh, yeah, he's not doing well. He's sick. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, Tanya's dad uh, has been sick for actually for quite a while, for about a year and a half. And mm. things just uh, have just kind of kind of progressed uh, in a not good way. And so we're here. Um, Tanya felt like she needed to come out. So she was actually here nine days. And I had the kids there in BC. But then... Um, just kind of had the sense that we need to all come out here and support Tanya's mom yeah, and, and dad as well. Uh, but he's still actually in the hospital right now. So you could be praying for him and yeah, we're just, we, he's just such a, an amazing, um, amazing man. And he just, uh, he loves the Lord and mm. yeah, he's, he's struggling with, uh, with cancer here. And so would appreciate, yeah, would appreciate the prayers, but it's good to be here. Um, my kids are having fun. You know, it's weird because there's like joy amidst the the sadness and the mm. and the the tough time. Like they're they're enjoying skating uh, on like um, my brother in law his backyard. He has like a like a skating rink, and so mm. they're just like le- learning to skate and play hockey and stuff like that amidst all the sadness of like um, yeah of everything that's happening with dad. So yeah. yeah, it's kind of bitter bittersweet here right now, and yeah. Anyway, I just want everyone to know, like, I was just, we, we were chatting about this yesterday, you and me, Corey, but but it feels weird to say I've come to Alberta. It's weird. It's like, it feels a little odd. Like, I feel sheepish about saying it because of, you know, all these politicians are losing their job for mm. travel. And I know this is not a vacation that I'm on, but it, no, it, no. It, it's just any kind of travel is really sensitive. So just want everyone to know this feels like a real good reason to be here in totally. Alberta. <laughs> no, it is a good reason. Yeah, it's and you know we've been yeah for sure that that makes total sense and we've been praying so much for uh, yeah for Tanya's father and we'll we'll keep doing that for sure. So sorry that uh, hmm. yeah I'm so sorry that they're going through that. That is so hard, especially in a season like this, man. Yeah, but this is our our first podcast of the new year, 2021. And yeah. uh, Cor- Corey, how was your how was your break? How was your holidays? Oh man, yeah. You know what? It does feel like uh, it's funny how like it feels like so long ago that we had Christmas holidays, and um, it was it was really great. Like it was such a different, uh, it was such a different year for Christmas, and even for like for me as far as like uh, my work at the church, it was it was such a different year. Like we obviously, you know, those of you that that uh, have been around North Langley, you know that we often do Making Spirits Bride, and we have a a big Christmas Eve service, and of course uh, those two things didn't happen well i mean christmas eve happened but in a very different kind of way we did a, a video which i i uh, i i actually really loved i thought we, we had such a great team working hard on that thing and it was it was really cool but the break was awesome like the break was it kind of felt like um 
especially chill. You know, this year, like it was, uh, we just did lots totally. of, of hanging around, lots of playing games and doing puzzles and, and eating way too much and watching Netflix. And I don't know. Yeah, it was, it was really nice. The kids were all home. So that was really cool. And these days, you know, my kids are all at Trinity, so I, we don't see them that often. Um, but yeah, no, it was, it was really, really great. How was, uh, how was yours? Oh yeah, it, it, same and and super fun and uh, those those several days of snow that we got, the kids just loved it. They went on their on their uh, new little snow sleds yeah. uh, that we got them, and they just had so much fun. And you're just out there for hours, and they're just rolling down hills, and it was just so beautiful. So um, fun, you know. All the rain that followed was like it was, you know, it it's definitely hard uh, with with all this the darker weather. But that but those days of sunshine before Christmas, those were beautiful. Like oh those. yeah, totally. This yeah. you know this week that we're recording this, it's actually a, it's a pretty sunny week here in Langley. Just so you know, it's kind of it's cold and sunny, which I think is always I always feel like it's like the best of of like a Langley winter when it's like that because the oh. mountains are like you know the the snow the snow tips. It's, it's just so amazing. It's so beautiful. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Oh, too bad I'm missing it. I, it's funny because it's so sunny here. Yeah. And, uh, and uh, it's just been really cool just to see kind of like the, the, the outdoor, um, you know, just the, the outdoor sports that are happening and, and the uh, people are fishing out on the lake and um, mm. uh, like they set up those little huts and they do like kind of fishing through the ice. Oh, yeah. And, yeah, yeah. Uh, and our kids went, uh, uh, were pulled behind a quad, like on their sleds, hmm, and just so uh, it's just it's just kind of like a winter wonderland, you yeah. know, like people yeah. skating, and it's just so beautiful. So yeah, I, I still I still think out. it's probably nicer here as far as just the you know winter with sunshine <laughs> and stuff. I mean, that sounds all right, but um, anyways, uh, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, it's uh, yeah, I got my degree in awkward. Um, hey, I was gonna, I was gonna ask you. I, I heard a rumor, and you need to clarify this for us. But I heard a rumor that you, like, you refuse uh, to teach your kids about Santa Claus. Is that true? Just sort of being a good <laughs> Christian or whatever. Okay, I just want everyone to know, Corey and I talk about this kind of stuff a lot, <laughs> and he's he's clearly putting me on the spot here. <laughs> no. Okay, way. my honest, my honest take. Tanya came from a family that did not emphasize Santa. I came from a family that loved Santa Claus <laughs> yeah. and Tanya and I have taken on kind of the reverse roles. So I, mm. I, I could care less about Santa oh. Claus and Tanya, uh, just likes them having that imaginative, uh, you know, thing stay alive there. Yeah. Um, I'm with Tanya. Man. I, I know. I mean, <laughs> at the risk of sounding like incredibly, uh, what is it, trite or repetitive or lame? But I do find that sometimes kids can miss the re- reason for the season. You know, hmm. I mean, I, 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 I still do my best to try to share the story of Mary and Joseph, but the idea of a chubby guy that comes down your chimney and gives you <laughs> gifts is, is a pretty appealing story. You know, he's got a weight to... problem, Matthew, and that's not really a nice way of putting it the way you just said that. <laughs> it's like, there's something so beautiful about Santa Claus. It's like, Matthew, this is the thing. And I know I go off on this sometimes, but I'm Tell like, me. Okay, educate there, me. Okay. There is something about, there's something holy about our imagination. Okay. And there is something really beautiful about this, like, so here's, I, I often have felt, like, I, when I think back on when my kids, you know, finally stopped believing in Santa Claus, <laughs> like, honestly, there's part of me, it, it actually is sad. Like, I feel like, because there's something so beautiful about, like, you know, this this kind of, this myth of this really, really, um, uh, like, 
this this wonderful kind character you know who lives in a in a faraway land but who who kind of knows you and who uh has your best in mind right and who actually is like he's going to give you gifts and he's um you know he lives in this wonderful like beautiful place and it, it's kind of like how the world should be it's like how we want it to be in a way and like there's something really wonderful about that and actually i would say and i think maybe c.s lewis would agree with me in saying like maybe some of those longings that a myth like Santa Claus um, offers us it or, or suggests to us is that we're actually longing for, for God. We're longing for actually the way that the world will one day be. And I think that Santa Claus gives us like even, you know, a little glimpse of, of some of that. There's something in us that is like, it's, it's, it's longing for that. Mm. Mm. <laughs> so there you, Preach it. Preach yeah, it. There you, I'm <laughs> telling you, it's true. It's like, uh, it's, let's just, let's just think a little, uh, let's just think a little wider here. You know what I mean? Sure. Sure. No okay. problem. No problem. There's there's that, or there's uh, Here we go. some kind of some kind of creepy man uh, who comes into your house late at night, like a break and entering, and and uh, he employs uh, these little elves. Oh my word! We don't yeah. know. If, we don't. We don't know if they're there by their own <laughs> choice. Oh yeah, choice I'm sure they're not, under duress. Right? Yeah, those elves. They yeah, they always. I'm just saying. <laughs> okay. Anyway, this is a great segue because we're talking about conflict for the oh, next six weeks yes so right. you just added a literally another category of conflict <laughs> okay. thank you <laughs> bet, and I, yeah it'd be interesting I, bet, I can imagine some of our listeners being totally on team matthew with this but i hope the majority are on team Corey with this not that it's a competition <laughs> okay no but in all seriousness you're right we just we just started this series and actually and i know you and i have talked about this matthew but uh this series is called shalom and uh following jesus in an angry anxious and polarized world and I, we had our first Sunday this last Sunday, and I just thought, like, I, I for me, when you first, like, you know, you mentioned that you were thinking about doing this, I was like, that's, it's such a perfect, it is a perfect topic for the, the season of life, and the, like, just where our world is at these days, like, we're in such a polarized world, so I was, I'm so excited about it, I think it's just so timely, and, and this first Sunday was awesome, yeah, it's, I think it's going to be great. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, I hope I hope it's uh, I hope it's helpful to our whole church family, um, both of our campuses, and hoping that we can have these really important conversations with one another. I'm hoping for healing in mm. in lots of relationships, um, greater amount of listening and uh, compassion for those who just think differently than us. Um, you know, I'm just thinking of like parents with their children, or children understanding their parents. Um, mm. Like there's probably some brokenness there. I just hope for a lot of healing. And um, I loved, I was chatting with Ben on our staff team, Pastor Ben, and he was talking about how shalom really is. There's four four elements to shalom. It's peace with God, um, peace uh, with ourself, peace with others, you know, peace with your neighbor, and peace with all creation. So there's mm-hmm. kind of four yeah, like ways that. in which God is bringing shalom and this total wholeness or reconciliation, this total justice to the world. And, uh, yeah. And so I'm excited to see even just like a, a glimpse of this beginning to happen. Like I, 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 I love getting emails, you know, going, Hey, um, in different series we've done, somebody goes, Hey, we took a first step towards something, right. Mm, or we took a yeah. first step towards the, and I just, I'm looking forward to just, yeah. I mean, I, I may not be able to hear those stories, but hoping and trusting the spirit that those stories will happen and, and uh, healing will take place. So totally. Um, would it would it be helpful if I gave kind of a little summary of of Sunday and and yeah. for those who haven't heard it yet? Is that yep. okay? Let's do it. That's great. So on Sunday we kicked off the series. It's it's the first of six weeks, and 
And I just, I was reflecting on all the topics that are now uncomfortable and the list of topics that are uncomfortable to talk about with people continues to grow, whether Mm -hmm. it's vaccines or masks or churches reopening or LGBTQ issues or the economy or First Nations rights or Donald Trump. (laughs) Uh, Just, it, it just feels like the list of things to talk about continues to be uncomfortable. And I quoted Thomas Paine, uh, you know, he, this, he said this about 250 years ago during the American Revolutionary War. He said, these are the times that try men's souls. Mm, and I think yeah. many of us have, have felt that. Um, we, we are living in an angry, anxious, and polarized world. And I really appreciated uh, Janet on our staff team, Pastor Janet. And she, she, she was the one who helped us include the word anxious in the title. Mm, right. Because yeah. She, she, yeah, she reminded us that, you know, it's, it's not, we're not, not everyone is just angry, you know. Uh, or 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 simply polarized. Like some people are not super polarized there, but actually a lot of people are just in the in an uncomfortable middle place. Going, I actually don't know who to vote for, or I'm actually not sure. And and what I'm actually feeling is a lot of anxiety. Totally, um, I, I'm feeling a bit of conflict, or I notice two friends who have a conflict, or you know, I have a I have someone on Facebook that's you know posting these things, and I don't really know how to interact and. And so rather than just angry, I, I'm actually feeling a bit of anxiousness uh, mm. over the whole thing. And, and, I, and I feel worried about my child that, that is, you know, upset with things I've said or, or whatever. Yeah, and I yeah. thought, man, Janet has a really good point. And so inserting that word anxious hopefully will, will, will catch most of us in how we're feeling about the times we're living in. Um, but, but Jesus said, hey, blessed are the peacemakers um, for... Uh, for they will be called uh, sons of God. Um, and I just, I, I love this this invitation he gives us because he lived in an incredibly polarized world, whether it was religious or politically. I go into a lot of that in the sermon, but mm-hmm. Jesus lived, you could argue, in a much more polarized world than we do today. And, and so then we looked at John 8 with the woman caught in adultery, and we just watched Jesus' brilliance. I think he's so brilliant, and he just avoided the trap of, of, uh, that was given to him, you know, it was either, you know, are you a, a, a follower of the, of the law of God, the Torah, which says this woman, you know, must be put to death or will you show mercy to this woman and, and reveal that you are, you, you don't actually care about God's word. And I feel like Jesus did not take that, you know, maybe this was an unfair categorization that I did on Sunday, but I I called it kind of a conservative liberal (laughs) trap, you know, Um, you know, whereas sometimes we think truth and mercy, like truth is for the conservative, mercy is for the liberal, which is completely, it's unfair, right? And I know that, but I, I was just using kind of that, that kind of common idea that, uh, uh, that truth and mercy are kind of pitted against each other. But I love that Jesus doesn't, doesn't care about that. Like he doesn't, not care. That's not the right word. He doesn't. He doesn't take the bait. Yes, and he yeah. think he he believes truth and mercy go together. Um, and uh, and so I love that he can have. I, I love that he believes you can have both. It may take a whole lot of wisdom. It may take slowing down, analyzing the situation, noticing the trap. Uh, but he enters in as this beautiful peacemaker. You know, he mm. steps in. He asks truth questions. He. Pours out his love, uh, you know. He looks at her. He says, "I don't condemn you, but leave your life of sin." <laughs> it's such a, it's like, hey, there's no condemnation here, but you should stop sinning. And yeah. and he keeps that truth and 
mercy thing together. And so I ended the sermon saying we need to lay down our, our stones of judgment. Um, and what would it look like for the next six weeks for us to lay those down? So that's mm-hmm. a little, little summary of the, of the sermon. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's it's really good. I love that. And I love that you, the way that you uh, described, like, yeah, kind of Jesus, because it is, yeah, it's like a false dichotomy, right? Gets presented to him in a way. It's almost like, and, and I've, I, it's funny in very, very small ways, like you see that, I see that online often and, and you feel, you feel like you're like, well, I need to, I need to pick a side. Like, I got to pick a side here, you know, or it's like, you know, if you're not for us, you're against us. It's, it's almost that kind of language, you know, in different, different ways. And it's like, well, wait, isn't there like, like, it's almost like they're, that's almost kind of what they're saying to Jesus. It's like either this or that. And Jesus is saying, actually, it's, it's, it's far more complex than that. Actually, and he, you're right. He's not rejecting truth. He's not saying, no, no, it's all good. You know, he's, he's totally. saying like, you know, yeah, but which of you, yeah, has the authority to be, you know, showing judgment and, and casting, you know, the first stone. And I love that. It's, it's like the kind of almost like rejecting the question in a sense, you know, almost saying like, that's, that's not a fair question. And yeah, I, I love that. That's a great, in itself, that's a great um, kind of illustration for, for uh, some of what's going on today. Hmm. Well, yeah, no, I, I and I'm, I, I feel Corey, like in many ways, this series, um, I just want to thank you because actually I think throughout the years, this series has been slowly coming. <laughs> and uh, just so everyone knows, Corey's often pushing me to do, in a good way, pushing me to do certain things or to, to talk about certain things. And I think you and I, I feel like this series, this sermon series will reflect a lot of our conversations about the right or the left. And anyway, I just, I'm enjoying the next, uh, thinking about the next six weeks because I know they've come out of lots of conversations that you and I have had Hmm. about, about tricky topics. And you're always really good at kind of going, Hey, isn't there like some nuance here, which I know you say is your favorite word, but But I, I I was thinking, uh, just of, um, if anyone's who's listening to this has traveled down to Southern California, they there's in and out burger Mm. and, 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 uh, and in and out burger uh, gives you the uh, simplest menu, right? There's, there's just a few options, right? And, uh, and I love that. Uh, but then you go to a cheesecake factory and it's got this menu that's like the size of war and peace, like Tolstoy's war and peace, right? Like you just, exactly. you flip through page after page after page. Like, you know, the world's greatest novel. Yeah. But anyways. <laughs> okay. But now to me, maybe this isn't a good analogy, but I sometimes feel like politically we, we, we live in this in and out world. And by the way, I love in and out. So this yeah. is kind of a weird, a weird analogy, but you're, 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 you're given like you know, a couple combinations. It's like, Mm. you can either have, you can either have the right or the left and they come with, this is, this is all there is. It's a very simple menu. You've got to pick. And I get, I get that you do have to pick in the ballot box, right? Like I I do get that. Like it it, it does boil down to a few parties or something, you know, is it NDP? Is it liberal? Is it conservative? Green party, whatever. So it feels like a very basic in and out menu. But in reality, the world is way more the need for wisdom and nuance is more like the cheesecake. You know, it's like (laughs) it's like it's there's a lot of varieties and things and ways in which people think. And unfortunately, Mm -hmm. it's becoming so polarized that the options are, are fewer. So, yeah, no, that's good. Yeah, totally. That was probably the worst no. analogy. <laughs> no, no, I feel like I, I think like the way I, I sometimes feel like I, like, and it's a similar idea, but like sometimes I feel like it's it's almost like we we wanna we want um, the palette to have like you know six colors on it, when when in reality it's like we all know there are like there what are there there are millions of colors I think right as far as the different shades yeah. and like that's that's more reality and it's and that actually reflects like a lot of our 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 
you know, ideas about things and the way that we lean certain ways and stuff. Like it's way more complex than just like, yeah, than like you're saying, just like, you know, six different ingredients or whatever. It's like, it's far more, there's, there's way more colors and, and it can be a beautiful thing if, if we can take the time to actually explore some of those colors without, you know, without it turning into a, a mudsling fest. You know what I mean? Yeah. Are you talking about all the colors of the rainbow? <laughs> That's right. There's at least, how many colors? <laughs> well, I think at least that many, like at least eight or nine colors, whatever it is in the rainbow. <laughs> I just thought of that old Avalon song. Oh. All the colors of the rainbow. Oh, yeah. Remember that? <laughs> I Testify thought they only had the one song. Uh, For as long as I shall live, I will That's the same testify. song. Oh, it is? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Right. Just, it is. That, that, then I was right. There's just the one song. <laughs> Ah, uh, the wonderful but often misunderstood Avalon. <laughs> right? <laughs> Those guys were so controversial. <laughs> Just kidding. Oh yeah, oh. that was a catchy tune, though. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna uh, jam out on that song after this. After we record <laughs> okay. this, I'm gonna crank it up. <laughs> More power to you, man. Just do it. Who cares? Okay. Okay. Today, yeah. I thought it'd be cool to talk about argument culture yes. and. Um, yeah, argument culture. I didn't have time to talk about it in the sermon. Ran out of time. <laughs> Forty <laughs> minutes. Ran out of time. Um, but uh, yeah, argument culture. I was really. I, I thought it would be good to talk about this in our first podcast here because uh, I was really, really intrigued by learning a little bit about argument culture. And I first heard about it uh, through the Winsome Conviction podcast. And I, and just in the series, I want to kind of point people towards resources that I found helpful. And I, I found the Winsome Conviction podcast really helpful. It's by two professors from Biola in Southern California, a Christian, Christian University. And uh, they, they kind of spend some time uh, looking into uh, a book called The Argument Culture by an author named Deborah Tannen. And so... Mm. These are really her four points, and I thought it would be fun for you and I, Corey, to kind of have a conversation about the four kind of key ingredients to an argument culture and things that we really want to avoid. But I thought these were bang on. I thought they were, yeah, they, they, they made a lot of sense to me mm-hmm. in terms of diagnosing kind of the culture we live in. And so let me just read them really quickly here. Uh, sure. First is we stop listening to each other. Mm-hmm. Secondly, we concede nothing. Third, we demonize those who think differently than us. And finally, we oversimplify, distort, and misrepresent the other person's position. So, yeah, I thought we could take some time. We could just kind of chat a little bit about these. So the first one is we stop listening to each other. Um, And the way I summarize this is by saying, these are kind of my words here, but we only think about how to win the argument or our next point, and we're not really hearing the other person. Can I articulate the other person's position in such a way that they would nod their head in agreement. If I've not achieved that, then I haven't fully listened. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really, I really feel like I'm not great at this. Um, I've said this to you before, Corey, but I do feel like um, you're really good at this. Um, sometimes oh, I'm, I'm, I'm often thinking about my next point, but I feel like you're someone who really actually listens mm-hmm. um, to what the other person is saying and it's a huge area of growth for me where I just, I, I, I think I'm thinking, how do I articulate my words so that I can make a, the next best point? But I really am actually not listening. Hmm. Um, and I think there's two levels to this. There's A, like tuning someone out, actually, which sometimes I can do. <laughs> but then the other one is just not understanding. Like I'm hearing what you're saying, but I'm not really understanding you. Right. So 
Yeah. What do you think? Yeah, no, I, I love that. Like, and it's so true. And I, and thank you. That's really nice of you. I don't know that I, I don't know that I agree that I, I don't feel like I, I think I slip into this tons as well. And, and when you're just trying to, you're, you're making, especially when it's, especially when it's that kind of topic that we can probably all identify this, like, you know, whatever the topic is where your blood just starts to boil, you know, and you're, and it's almost like you're, it's almost like you got a bit of adrenaline. Cause you're like, Oh, I, like, I, I want to, I feel very strongly about this and I can't wait to, you know, to, to shut this down. And meanwhile, the person's talking, you know, and, um, but I, but man, it, you know what I, it, for me, as I was thinking about this, I'm like, it's like, it almost, if, if we can do this, it's, it, it seems like often what'll happen is actually it'll, it'll, it'll turn away from an argument and actually it'll turn into, it can turn into a really beautiful dialogue where, where you're actually, you're, you're listening, you're, you're showing respect to the other person. Um, and you're actually interested in, in maybe learning something that you didn't know, like, like assuming, and I remember like, like, um, you know, sort of assuming that, that the person actually might have something, um, to offer that you weren't aware of, you know? And, um, and then, and then when that happens and then you can say, you know, I, I think, I think I hear that you're saying this and, um, but I guess where I'm coming from is I, I feel like, I feel like this and here's where I have trouble understanding, you know, like it's, it turns into a dialogue and it's, and it's less of an argument, at least in a negative sense. And it's more of this dialogue that actually could, can maybe result in, in the two of us walking away a little bit better than when we came into it, you know? So I, I, I love that. I think it's, it's totally true. Totally, totally. And I had a, an experience uh, with a good friend of mine um, just recently where he was talking about the the riots at Capitol Hill and and was saying that Antifa was there, that it was Antifa that was doing, you know, and that it was very, very well documented. And I could feel in myself this sense of, I, I don't want to listen to that. Right, yeah. <laughs> like, because I, you know, I mean, it's funny because like all I had seen was like a headline, I think the New York Times had said something like, you know, that that was debunked. Yeah. I mean, I didn't have a lot to go on. I didn't have a lot of like facts to back up what I was saying, you know, mm -hmm. but even just hearing that I kind of shut down a little bit mm. <laughs> and I, and, and I had this moment where I was like, okay, I don't want to listen to that. Mm -hmm. um, and I, 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 I was in my mind, I was trying to formulate how I can say that's not true. Mm -hmm. but then I, but then I, I don't know. It's, it's, so I find that that's a much more trickier moment where it's like, how do I listen to my friend and go, okay. Um, okay. You know, you believe that, that, that it was actually Antifa and maybe some of you listening to this podcast believe that. And, and so, you know, what do I do? Like, how do I listen to that? And why do I, it's interesting. Cause I, even though I don't actually have any facts myself to say anything, I feel strongly, I want to disagree with that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so the interesting thing is that when I listen to myself, I have a predisposed idea. Now, first of all, when I say this, I really don't think Antifa did it. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> but, but I'm, I want to clarify that, yeah. Yeah, I want to clarify. But, but I, what I'm saying is I have a predisposition within me that says that's ridiculous. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah. like you know, if I, if I group myself with conservatives, I, I just want to say, Hey, listen, we as conservatives need to realize that the best way out of this hole that, we, that we're in here is to, is to say this was wrong, not to say that there were leftists in the crowd. That, that's what I want to say. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Everything in me feels like it. And so I, I basically, what I'm saying is I, this point, we stopped listening to each other. Yeah. It is so real. Like, I was just like, I just don't want to listen to this anymore, you know? Totally. And, and yeah. And it just, it, anyway, 
Well, totally, I and, and I wonder, and I know we'll, we can move on quickly. Like, I, there, it's funny that you bring that up because there, I, I wonder if there are, like, at some point, like I remember, I've had, and I'm sure you have too. I've had conversations with people about different things that that are kind of what feel like borderline crazy. Like, you know, where I'm like, I'm like, so that's not nice. That's not a nice way of describing it. But where they're like, you know, they're saying things um, that are well-documented that, you know, a conspiracy theory, let's say about something, you know, and you're like, okay, there's like that. There's not a chance that um, this whole thing was, you know, a government uh, conspiracy that was trying to, you know, whatever, like, and you're, and I'm hearing this and I'm like, okay, at what point, you know, do you actually just be like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to listen and understand, but I firmly think you're totally wrong you know what i mean like i i just it, right. there's there comes a i guess there are maybe it's like there's certain extremes in conversations where you're like okay this is ridiculous like clearly you and i are are on a very different playing field i guess that's not the uh yeah is you know what i mean it takes some wisdom and discernment i suppose because in some of those conversations yes. you're like i feel like this will become a black hole very quickly um yes and i think i need to i need to shut down this conversation you know what i mean there's there's probably wisdom right. there sometimes yeah, you're right. I think what I want to do is be the kind of person that listens and goes, okay, let me understand you. And before I jump into the argument, yes, kind of right, go, let, right. let, me, let me collect my thoughts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. <laughs> you know? And make sure I understand I, what you're saying before I completely write you off. Yeah. <laughs> with something like and, that, with an extreme thing, you know? And, and uh, Tim Keller makes such a good point. He says, he says the best thing to do uh, in an argument – is to make the other person's argument better. Hmm. And he says, here's what you do. You, you say, okay, I hear you say this. And actually, um, I think you've got a good point because I've seen, and you you say, you give an example of how like you've actually seen that happen. Right. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, and, and he says, because this will force you not only to listen, which is the first point here, but to really understand and to actually work for their good. Like, let me help you make your argument better. Now, I still disagree, and I'll give you my points here in a second, but yeah. I want to say that's a good point, mm. um, and and actually, I'm putting myself in your shoes going, that would be frustrating to, 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 to feel that or something like that. And I, I thought, make the other person's argument better. Hmm. I like that. I like I that, I really too. like that, yeah. And it's such a respectful, it's such a respectful kind of empowering uh, posture for people, right? To be like, I respect totally. you enough that I want I want to help you even though I disagree, I want to help you make a better argument. And then I'm going to explain to you why I don't, you know, I don't necessarily see eye to eye with you. But yeah, I, that's, that's really great. I think it's awesome. Number two, um, we concede nothing. Uh, you know, we fail to concede even the slightest point our opponent makes because we don't want to give any ground. Uh, I'm reading a little summary I wrote here. But thoughtful Christians are good at eating barbecue ribs. <laughs> they yes. know how to save <laughs> they know how to save the meat and spit out the bones. Uh, we need more and more thoughtful Christians to know how to thoughtfully engage the great thinkers and philosophies and viewpoints of our world and actually have a compelling thought about them. Hmm. So we concede nothing. So like, you know, I'm arguing with someone and or maybe I I'm arguing with like a thought or a or a or a writer or somebody who tweeted something or something like that. And I say, there is literally nothing good that they're saying, you right, know? Right. Yeah. And it's like, really, there's nothing good. Like absolutely nothing. Like you couldn't find a, 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 a single place where you could say, Hey, I agree. I agree with you on that. That's actually a good point. Now I see it differently here, but like, 
I, I think it's like, do, does that person have any good ideas? Mm. Um, and if so, could you repeat those ideas? Could you find any common ground or, or encourage any of those thoughts? Yeah. 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 What do you that, think? That's yeah, totally. I think it's, and that's, that's a man, that is an easy, I think it's an easy temptation to fall into, you know, like I, I know I can, it's funny, even as you say it, I'm like, Oh, I know I've done this for sure. Like, you know what I'm mean? like? Everything about <laughs> yeah. that is wrong. You know, it's like, Corey, yeah. you know, that, I think you're just trying to, you're trying to, you know, do it like, you know, swagger a little bit or something, you know, and it's, it's, uh, it is, and, I, and I, it makes it hard because you Corey. even think what's that? Corey. Yeah. Corey. Yeah. What about what about Santa Claus? What about my views on Santa Claus? <laughs> That's right. Okay. Oh, you know what, man? I, do you think you know Do you think you just did it? Maybe so, you just did it. I think I just. You know what? That is so. Oh, you cut to the core, don't you, Matthew? <laughs> That's, uh, <laughs> that's right. Oh, suddenly I feel so convicted. Uh, strangely Good. enough, Good. I don't at all with that one, but <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Um, no, I, but you know, you do it like, and, and you know, there's low hanging fruit, right? Donald Trump, you know, for instance, it's, I think it's, it's, it's easy. And again, not that I know we don't want to get into politics, but it's easy to into politics, but <laughs> Sherry's always like, finish your sentence and then say the next sentence. Um, like, you know, it's easy, and, and you hear this a lot. It's like there is, it's basically like there is nothing redeeming about, you know, a Donald Trump or whatever. And and, and I'm always like, well, that, no, okay, so I, I'm not necessarily a fan, <laughs> you know, but but I'm not going to, I'm not going to say there's nothing redeeming because that's, that's actually unhelpful. And it's actually, it's actually not true. It's actually dishonest because I'm, yeah. I'm sure that there are actually redeeming things about Donald Trump. And I'm sure that you know, it's not like we can say that absolutely every single thing of every second of every day that he was in office, there was nothing that was positive. You know, it's like, well, no, no one, no one actually believes that. You know what I mean? Um, right. And it just, yeah. Totally. So I think you're right. And I think it, and again, it almost, it almost becomes, it feels like it almost becomes inadvertently dishonest on our part. If we, yeah. if we can, if we're not willing to concede anything. Yeah. That, that, that's right. That's right. Totally. And I, I remember um, thinking through when I was younger, when I was a teenager, thinking through uh, the issues of abortion. Um, mm-hmm. and as somebody who was very pro-life, I remember at the very beginning, I remember really feeling like, oh, but I remember before hearing about the camp that I should join the pro-life camp, I remember feeling this sense of like, oh, like the, like these women who are in such a difficult place, like they, they need the opportunity to make decisions for themselves. Now, I I am very pro life, and uh, we we've had sermons on it, and and I I believe that that little baby is a real life and deserves mm-hmm. an opportunity to live. But in a conversation, can I remember my my feelings from a long time ago that 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 actually this is a complicated issue for uh for let's say a young mom who who um uh, has a little baby. Uh, you know, in her, and she's got a she. Her whole life is is uh, going to change here, and she's got a lot of things she's thinking about. You know, um, she's she's thinking about her job and and a family, and she's thinking about the, just the, the the stress that this little baby uh, could be. Now, I know even when I say that, a lot of us as Christians are like, "It's a life." Like, how could you, how could any of those things ever compare? And 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 I still, at the end of the day, don't believe that that um they are enough of an issue to 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 take the life of a human being because i think that baby is made in the image of god but can i meet someone in the middle and say listen i love the fact that you are thinking about the mom i love Mm -hmm. that and and i want to be the kind of christian that says let's do the best we can um 
and I think our crisis pregnancy centers do this, like the best we can to care for mom um, so that she is given every opportunity to flourish in her new life with, with uh, this new little new little baby and, totally. uh, and to really support her. And so I feel like I can meet my pro-choice neighbor uh, right there in that care for the mom and say, like, actually, I'm with you. Let's, let's figure out a way to be pro-life that just really cares for the mom. And we go above and beyond. And I don't know, it's a, it, it's a, it, anyway, it's, I, I'm willing to, I want to be someone who doesn't, whatever. No, it's I know what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, here. totally. Who doesn't not concede anything anyway. Yeah, no, you, <laughs> totally. You, yeah. No, I know what you mean. And, and well, the thing is, and with that, and um, like, it's funny because even just the title pro-life or pro-choice, like ma- that is a massive title with a massive umbrella underneath it that includes totally. all sorts of things that you have. Like, it's a very complex thing, right? So it's like, well, if you're pro-life, so then, you know, does that mean that like, you know, I think we need to make abortions illegal it's like okay well no well hang on hang on hang on like let's just think about the implications of that you know like it suddenly opens up a whole new door to a whole bunch of actually a whole bunch of doors to a whole bunch of other conversations that that actually have to do with life and different kind different you know different lives and how do you how do you sort that out so anyway so yeah to, yeah. to say we concede again it's just it almost forces us to be dishonest if we if we refuse to concede anything yeah yeah you know who I, you know what i've said i've said to some people before maybe i've said this to you but uh, I would vote for a politician if I heard them stand up, like let's say in the House of Commons or something, and say something like, you know what, uh, that guy on the opposite end of the aisle, you know, he just made a really good point. Hmm. And I would, I would love to work with him on hmm. a like bipartisan thing, you know, to get that accomplished. Like, mm-hmm. I just don't hear that very much because like, because it feels like sometimes policy, politicians concede nothing, you know? And yeah. I'm like, oh, man, if you just got up and said that, I don't care what party you're on. I, I think I'd vote for you. Mm-hmm. I'd just be like, totally. oh, look, look, that's a team player. Like, he, yeah. he, act, he or she is actually willing to say, like, they have a good point. Totally. Oh, that's, yeah. like, that's, like a, that's like a fresh cup of cold water in a desert. Mm-hmm. You know? It totally is, yeah, and it's building bridge. Yeah, it's like building bridges, which, as opposed to walls, right? Like where it's like, nope, this is my. Here's the line in the sand. And here's yeah. No, you're right. I'm with you. Okay, so yeah, first point, uh, we stop listening to each other. Second point, we concede nothing. And third point is we demonize those who think differently than us. Hmm. Um, and so we we cancel people immediately from our life if they think differently. Hmm. Um, yeah, can you think of a? An example yeah. of that, or yeah. oh, totally. Like I, yeah, and it's it, and again, it's just a, it's this polarizing thing. And I, I'm one of those people that I'm just, as you know, like I'm, I'm very, I'm just kind of in the middle. You know, I'm, I always feel like I'm in the middle, and I don't, you know, on like, you know, I've again talking. I know left and right is sort of a an unsatisfying label, but, um, but you know, I've I have friends on the on the extreme left, and I have friends on the extreme right, actually, and. Um, and I, it drives me nuts. It, it really, it, it bugs me when I see my friends like writing off, um, anyone who doesn't agree with, with what they think is, you know, common sense and the right approach. There, there's such extremes. And again, it's, it's so polarizing, but I, like I recently, I had a, um, there's, there's a, a friend of mine who's on kind of, he would, you know, he'd be more on the extreme kind of left. And, and I remember seeing one of his, his posts and he, I've kind of seen his stuff before and, um, uh, and he had just he had said something about basically you know okay like I'm done like 
if you if anyone says like he had said some big thing he said if anyone says anything positive about republicans or donald trump like i like you're off you're off my list like i'm unfollowing you you'll be removed immediately you know and i it just i was like ah like i'm like i like i understand obviously like there's there's a lot of things that i feel deeply (laughs) frustrated about uh when it comes to donald trump when it comes to some of the things going on in our world but 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 doing that it just feels like it feels so like you're as opposed to again if if there's any sort of goal of unifying each other and building bridges and trying to kind of like you know build relationships it's like this feels like the exact opposite way of doing it where you're like yeah it's like basically you have to think this way 100 percent, and if you don't if it's even 90 percent, you know or if it's even like a little five percent thing that you put in there you're done i'm out you're like i you and i are no longer friends and i just like wow. I, it made me it just yeah it made me feel sad and i was like ugh, like i just think and again as i'm it's it to me it just feels like that's that's probably not the best way to to move forward in a healthy way at least no, not at all. Like that, that's actually so dangerous because then you actually create this echo chamber around you mm. where all that's, all that's being said are, are people that agree with you totally. and you go further and further into, into your own, uh, viewpoint and there's no correction. That's, Ooh, that is, uh, yeah, yeah that's, that's dangerous. Yeah, it's bad. And of course you see it on both sides, right? We see it on, on the right and on the left and it's, yeah, I think, um, it's it's so damaging. I think it's so damaging, and it's, I feel like we see this in particular on on social media all the time. Yeah, ab- absolutely. Um, I you know I think about Jesus here, like with the with the Good Samaritan, and I just think how Samaritans had been demonized, right, by the mm. Jewish people, mm-hmm. and Jesus makes him the hero. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I just think. What would this, I mean, this is like going to like some kind of leftist progressive banquet and making uh, a proud boy, one of the proud boys, the hero, (laughs) or it's going to some kind of like going to some kind of like conservative rally and making some Antifa member the hero, you know, (laughs) it's like, it it, it just feels like, what, (laughs) Mm -hmm. who, who, wait, Jesus, who is the hero of the parable? And yeah. and he's the true he's the true neighbor who actually knelt down and cared for, like it's just so radical and 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 by the way Samaritans and Jews they would have thought very differently like, you know they had different locations you know Mount Gerizim versus Mount Zion for the space of worship, hmm. um, and and uh, there were bitter violent uh, clashes between Samaritans and Jews, and uh, you just think man they've been violent against us they have different places of worship. And here's the uh, here's the hero, and so I mm. love Jesus kind of pushing us away from that. Um, and I like how Cap Stewart says it. He says we're not at war with our ideological opponents; we're at war for them. Mm. Um, yeah, it's great. Yeah, yeah, we're, we're we're going. Actually, we really want to to walk side by side. Going, let's discover truth together. That's how Dallas Willard talks about it. It's like mm. let's walk shoulder to shoulder rather than you know, us facing head on, it's like, let's go shoulder to shoulder and let's go on a journey where we seek truth together um, Mm. rather than demonizing someone who thinks differently than us. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. That's really good. Cool. Okay. Finally. um, So just to summarize those again. So first we stop listening to each other. Second, we concede nothing. Third, we demonize those who think differently than us. And finally, we oversimplify, distort, or misrepresent the other person's position. Hmm. Yes. Okay. So it's, here's the idea. We take the worst argument this person has made (laughs) or the dumbest statement this person has made 
in what could be a generally good thought, you know, if you listen to this person's whole speech or you read their entire book or something mm-hmm. like that. But mm-hmm. instead we take a, a slice of the worst and then we attack that low bar bad example. And it's really uncharitable. Like I was thinking about our podcast here, like someone could take a slice out of this podcast and go, well, look, see, th- this is the way they think. Like our worship pastor believes in a magical man who <laughs> right. who exactly. doesn't exist. You know, just kidding. Yeah, uh, but like, homes. you know, breaks into homes. You know, but like, you know, you take a slice of it and be like, you know, what an idiot. Like, I can't believe mm-hmm. he thinks that yeah. or she thinks that or whatever. It's so uncharitable. And I, uh, the, the, the Winsome Conviction podcast uses the example of Googling, like, quote, dumb things Donald Trump said, mm-hmm. you know, or, or, you know, for us in Canada, it's like, quote, uh, Google dumb things that Justin Trudeau said, you know? Yeah. yeah. Well, then you could just have a heyday on social mm-hmm. media and just like make a, a bunch of memes and, and use them, use it as like a weapon. Uh, yeah. To, yeah. And so we're just like, we're mining for the worst possible thing our opponent mm-hmm. says mm-hmm. them or the most embarrassing thing that they did. Maybe something that they're they actually regret. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and we're distorting it. We're oversimplifying and misrepresenting them. And it's mm-hmm. just, I don't think it's the way of Jesus. I don't believe. No. No. Oh man, it's so funny. I, like uh, this, it reminds me. It's, it's not as though anyone did this intentionally, but but the, on this topic, I remember <laughs> like years ago, I had this experience where. Do you remember when the Passion of the Christ came out? Mel Gibson yeah. had made yeah, it, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was like a, it was kind of a bombshell. Like it was, it was. I think there hadn't really been. Okay, this is my opinion. There hadn't really been like a really high quality. Christian movie, like like where it's clearly very very Christian agenda kind of movie. I, it felt like that, anyways, in the mainstream you know kind of world. And what about the... Left Behind? <laughs> <laughs> what about Left Behind, Corey? <laughs> Wait, do you mean with Kirk Cameron? Yeah, um, Kirk Cameron. Yeah, <laughs> from Growing Pains. Yeah. Oh man. Okay, sorry, Corey. Uh, yes. Come on. <laughs> okay. See, I think. You anyway, just, continue just, with yeah, your point. Okay. okay, it's kind of hard now, but anyways. Um, yeah. So, um, anyways, uh, so the passion of the Christ, and um, so uh, some of us. I worked at a church in Winnipeg called the Meeting Place, and so we actually got, uh, and maybe I'm sure they did this here too. Like people that worked in a church would get like they got like a pre-screening pass, and so we actually got to see the movie before it was released in theaters. And so it was at this big church in Winnipeg, and we all went and, and watched it. And it was quite, you know, it's quite an impactful film on first watch. Like it was quite intense and actually pretty you know graphic violence was intense and anyways it was uh and it was quite emotional for a lot of people actually and i I remember we came out into the lobby the foyer of the church and and there were like a ton of press there like like we had like newspapers and cameras and like people that were just waiting to to talk to people and and so i ended up getting into a conversation with this this writer from uh the winnipeg free press and she was asking me all about it. We, it was it was a really pleasant conversation. She, you know, we spent about fifteen minutes of of just asking, you know, my thoughts on it and and what I, you know, what what it was about and if I felt it was a helpful, that, you know. And then I remember at one point I, she had just said like, "What was the what was the vibe like in the in the room like?" You know, and I said, "Well, it was," I said something like, um, "You know, it was it was quite emotional. Like like people like there were lots of like sniffles and stuff. Like people, you could hear that people were like were really moved by what they were seeing and da da da. You know, so I'm I'm describing this. Anyways, so uh, the next day I read in the Winnipeg Free Press that uh, it it has. I'm like, oh my goodness, there I am. And they had like Corey Alstead, director of music and arts at the meeting place, um, commented on on the on the film. Um, quote: It was quite emotional. There were lots of sniffles and stuff. 
end quote. <laughs> that was that was how this lady represented me. And then so then I'm like, what? I was so embarrassed, and I'm like, okay, I. That is like the so not what I said. You know, that's a one little. Anyway, that's what you got out of that fifteen minute conversation. And then, not only that, then I believe it was the Globe and Mail, like national newspaper. Um, they the next day they they must have lifted it from her, or whatever. I was in the Globe and Mail. Same quote. Seriously, it was. I was so humiliated. I'm like, you have got. You got to get a you got to get that article and post it. Yeah, I know. Actually, your, I look. I think I your... looked for it. I should look again. I don't think I could find it, but oh my goodness, it was like I, I remember sending it to my family and stuff. I'm like, oh. Anyways, there's an example of um, <laughs> what was it again? What was the quote? Say it was it, again. Uh, it was something to the effect of it was very emotional. There were lots of sniffles and stuff. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, <laughs> seriously, it was yeah. It's emotional. Right. There were sniffles and stuff. I like it. <laughs> That's right. It's like wow. Did you hear what that that one director yeah. of music and art said that there were. Apparently there were lots of sniffles and stuff. So, <laughs> <laughs> anyways, yeah, well, that's, it was... that's that's just it. Like you got you got edited, you know, like this one or you somebody took one tiny little thing you said and yep. and oh. uh, misrepresented. I was I was thinking of a uh, like a, a kind of a different kind of example, but where um, where like a word uh, like feminism can be mm. can, can be taken kind of different ways. So, like we can, you know, when I would say maybe this is a generalization, but most of us when we hear the word feminism, many of us are kind of have our guard up, right? Mm. Um, include including me, right? Like I'm like, oh, okay, I'm not really sure what you what you mean by that. And so if I say Christians, Christ, a Christian can be a feminist, mm-hmm. or if I say a Christian could never be a feminist, both are really kind of, uh, um, they're statements that are exactly this fourth and final point. This, they, it's an oversimplification right, or a right. misrepre- misrepresentation because clearly these two people have a particular way of understanding feminism. And so... Like, uh, you know, my understanding is that first wave feminism, there are all these waves. Apparently we're in the fourth wave. But the first wave feminism, um, there's a lot of areas that Christians can agree with. Like, for instance, first wave feminism is that uh, women should be able to vote. Hmm. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> I, I, I think, I'm not sure, but if I pulled <laughs> our, our church family, I think most people would say, yes, I think women should be able to vote or be able to engage in politics. And, mm-hmm. and, uh, and so I think, you know, that's, that's, there's an incredible amount of, 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 uh, of areas of agreement where we would say that was really important. There was a movement mm-hmm. of, of, of women who really fought for that right, and uh, we can get behind that. And second-wave feminism was in the 1960s and um and really kind of honed in on the exploitation of women you know Mm. and uh like i think there were some protests at like the miss america pageant and stuff like that like hey women are being treated as cattle and Mm. uh and being exploited and and um and uh you know when i was reading a little bit about second wave feminism there were some other things i was like oh okay i'm not sure i would get behind that but 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 the exploitation of women, yeah, Christians should be on the front line going, this is wrong. This is totally mm-hmm. wrong. Um, third wave feminism gets a little bit more interesting uh, and kind of there's fluidity with gender and stuff like that. And that's stuff that I, I can't get behind, right? I'm not going to support that idea. But um, so I'm just speaking from Matthew's perspective. Like if I say, 
uh, a Christian should be a feminist or a Christian could never be a feminist. It's way too simple. Like that, that's an oversimplified statement. And, and it's, and I think it's, you're distorting or misrepresenting a position. So you have to actually go, let's actually get a little bit closer into the issue. Let's talk about it. Let's get a little bit more detailed. What mm-hmm. do you mean? I really want to hear what you mean <laughs> when you say um, that, that, that a Christian could not or should be a feminist. Uh, right. And so it, it just takes a little bit more wisdom, a little bit more time. And I want to encourage our church family, like, let's do this kind of work. Like, let's go, hey, like, let me listen to you. Let me just hear what you mean by that. And let's talk about areas of agreement you know, mm-hmm. and then let's talk about places of challenge. Let's challenge some things. So totally. I would love that kind of attitude. Yeah. I think that's, yeah, I think that's great. And I think, <clears throat> unfortunately, it's almost like, yeah, it's almost like the word. Well, and we talked about that in one of our uh, podcasts a while ago. And we talked about um, racial issues and stuff. And, and we talked about, you know, like Black Lives Matter, right? And how, uh, how like the, the, the term or the movement, actually, there's a whole bunch of things underneath the umbrella that that movement would stand for. Um, yeah. that, that would involve like a, a, a longer conversation about like, well, you know, I feel like, like obviously as far as just, uh, you know, at a, a surface reading of Black Lives Matter, I think all of us as Christians need to be like, well, obvious a hundred percent, like there's no question. Um, yeah. but if you're talking about the movement and everything that it represents, well, then it's like, okay, well we need to, that's a longer conversation. And unfortunately I feel like, and I, you know, I, I know you and I have talked about this, like I, it's, it's too bad that, you know, the term evangelical Christian has actually there's you know and you hear about a lot of a lot of Christians that are saying like man I just I feel like when someone asks me you know are you an evangelical Christian or like you know uses that kind of language it's almost like you want to be like hey well like what do you when you say that what 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 do you think of when you say that like what what do you mean by that like what is your you know what's your definition of that because unfortunately that has again that's another thing that's become in this very polarized culture that it means a lot of things to a lot of different people. And there's a lot of implications um, that people have in the back of their mind about what an evangelical Christian is. Now I'm not saying, you know, I'm not, I'm not saying, so we need to abandon the term, but I think it's like, well, maybe there needs to be some redeeming of (laughs) some of that, you know, and it's, uh, that's another tricky one. I think it, Oh, totally. I totally agree. Like when you say evangelical Christian, it's like, Oh, those people believe in conversion, therapy in the yeah, worst yeah, way yeah. and in uh and in capital punishment and they're totally like you know nationalists and blah 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 or are they like oh these are people who are like billy graham they believe in the good news they love their neighbor they do exactly. these amazing acts acts of charity they feed the poor you know like what what goes through your mind when you think evangelical totally mm. i agree yeah 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 that's right um hey Corey. uh yeah. after after these four points here, I wanted to give you an opportunity just to kind of share a little bit about what you were saying to me, just about a prophetic voice. You had a bit of pushback on the sermon. Yeah, I think like I think one of the things um, that that you know I, I love I love the sermon. I love this topic that we're in. I think it's so important. I think you know when I heard the the sermon and when we've talked about this, like I I wonder where the place yeah the place of the disruptive um, prophetic voice is in this conversation because. I know, like, so part of me, again, this is just, like, unfiltered, like, I feel like, Matthew, like, you and me, you know, we have some similar uh, personality traits, for instance, and so I think we're both, at least to some degree, kind of peacemaking, our personality is kind of like a peacemaker personality, right? Like, if you do the the Enneagram, or if you do the, the different personality tests and stuff, you know, it's like, I always come out very high on peacemaking. Um, now, there's a shadow side to peacemaking, just so everyone, no one thinks that I'm <laughs> trying to say, like, I'm an awesome person because I'm a peacemaker, because that actually sometimes can turn into people-pleasing, and that's actually a bit of a shadow side to it. Um, 
And I guess, I guess what I wonder about when I heard that, I was like, oh, yeah, but Matthew, isn't that easy for people, let's say, like you and I to say, and it's like, we got to find nuance and don't be angry and, you know, like, let's not get into conflict. Let's, let's just all get along and try to, you know, like, I guess what I wonder is, you know, I think our history is, I think it's, there's a lot of examples where there was a disruptive and prophetic voice that would speak into um, you know, into a conflict and maybe actually, to be honest, you know, create more conflict with the voice, but, but in a very necessary kind of way. And obviously we see Jesus um, being that kind of person. I know that he's Jesus, so maybe it's not as, you know, fair to use him as an example. But yeah, I guess that's a, that's a question uh, that I had or a little bit of pushback saying like, yeah, where's the place for, for that voice who actually is saying like, no, I'm not like, this is not about making everyone all feel, and again, I'm, I'm, I'm going to extremes here, you know, making everyone all feel warm and fuzzy and happy and we can all be cozy and get along great. Like they're actually, you know, that voice that says, no, this is wrong. And we need to know we're heading down a path that is absolutely unhealthy and I'm taking a stand, you know? Yeah. It's really good pushback. And I, and I think, I think that's really an important question because that I don't want this series for six weeks to be this like, you know, spineless, Hmm. no, no backbone, you know, um, is your backbone the same as your spine? <laughs> that's actually a very contentious issue, Matthew. So that's a whole other podcast. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, no, but uh, like a spineless series where it's like, you know, there was just, there was no truth telling, you know, like it, it's just like, Hey, let's be hippies. Can't we all just get along? Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't want that. I don't want that. And I, um, I believe in the role of the prophet. Let me just say that. I, mm-hmm. I think there is a really important prophetic uh, um, role that people play. Um, you know, the other day I was listening to Shane Claiborne. Some of you know that name. And, and I, yeah. I appreciated just his, his clarity, you know, a prophet is clear, you know, and, mm-hmm. and, and a prophet lives it out. You know, they live. And, and I think Shane does, does a lot of that. Um, but here's my thing. <laughs> okay. I feel like prophetic moments can happen on micro issues or, not micro issues, more like single issues. Like for instance, if somebody had a prophetic, uh, you know, stance against, you know, online pornography and, and the rate at which it's devastating our culture, or somebody just speaks into human trafficking or someone Mm -hmm. speaks into high alcohol abuse or somebody speaks about, you know, the prophet speaks into something that they see is wrong. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I, I guess what I feel like is dangerous now is that, when it comes to the area of, let's say, politics or uh, almost like such huge umbrellas or tents that 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 people dwell in, <laughs> you know, mm. like conservative, liberal, you know, progressive, um, you know, these it's it seems like it, it, the issues are too big, too vast, uh, too complicated for 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 someone to be a prophet. Um, and maybe I'm talking about like right now in the age we're living in. Mm. So because it, because it just requires way more listening and nuance and stuff. And like, for instance, think of America, you know, 70 million people voted one way, 70 million another. Mm-hmm. So if you, if you get up and you act as a prophet and you denounce half of America, right? You, you it's not going to work. Like I'm telling you that is not going to work. Like, because the other half is already mad at you and you're mad at the other half. Like all it is, is it's a civil war. And so, and the other thing I would say is that everyone who feels something strongly thinks they're a prophet. 
right? They, <laughs> right. they, they anoint themselves uh, like I'm a prophet and I'm going to get on my Facebook page and, and do something prophetic because Jesus did it and prophets in the Old Testament did it and, and I'm a person of truth and I'm going to just speak my mind. You know, hmm. it's like, well, I think you're saying prophet, but really what you're doing is you're, you're, you're just being uh, uh, a bully or angry or, you know, right. you're just, yeah. you're venting, you're venting. That's what it is. You're not prophetic, you're venting. So I, I guess, I guess I don't want to say no to the prophetic. I think there's a role for that. And I think it just feels like it, it works better when it's issues that are really clear, mm-hmm. um, you know, and I know everyone thinks the issue is clear. So that's, I, I get I get how my words are failing here, but I, I just feel like a little bit more specific into places of real sin versus really large prophetic rants that you, that that really are just venting. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. And I and maybe you're right, like maybe and so part of me, I guess I would and again, not to get all philosophical or existential. Like I feel like you know, like part of me wants to push back and say, Well, I think that a prophetic voice, whether it's effective or not, is if it's a, if it's truly a prophetic voice, then it is what it is. You know what I mean? That it's then it's true. Sure. Then and even if ninety five percent of quote prophetic unquote voices um, are actually bogus and they're actually not prophetic, you know, uh, it it we I don't I don't think we want to exclude the five percent that that might be. You know, I think we I don't like the slippery slope argument. You know, because it means like it's like well we so we just don't do that because you know it, it, even though it might be true it might lead to more you know messiness and it's like well okay but if it's true it's true like I, and maybe yeah. maybe what I and I know I you know you and I have talked about this as well but when I think about the arts um, and I think about like you know storytellers and songwriters and um, and even and even like yeah movies like storytellers I guess and and like there there is actually something and this is less disruptive maybe or at least less immediately disruptive. There is something actually I think that is very unique about the arts in this way that that I think good art will often be prophetic actually you know and it'll speak yeah. about what is happening what is and you think about like the role of again I don't know a ton about this but Dostoevsky and and Leo Tolstoy or Alexander Solzhenitsyn who you quoted in the sermon like who were who wrote novels or who wrote um stories that actually um exposed uh uh you know truth in the midst of really really difficult uh, times of life, you know, and um, and I think of like you know songwriters today that will that will sing things that actually make you, you know, where you're actually like, oh, I feel like they're they're actually getting at something that is deeply true, and my, you know, and it may not even be like it 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 may not end up changing the world, but it might change my world slightly by you know by hearing something yeah. that is. Anyways, that's maybe that's a different thing because it's not the same as like a, it's almost like we're talking about like there's the megaphone <laughs> prophet, um, yeah. And then there's the the quieter, um, more artistic, prophet artistic, nuanced prophet. Yeah, 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 totally. No, I definitely like that. I definitely think there's a role for it. I feel like we're just in such a moment of history that what I feel like is I'm not thinking. Let's raise up an army of prophets. I'm like, let's raise up an army of humble listeners who mm. are willing to actually lay down their stones and stop for a second and hear right. the other. You yeah, know, yeah. and so I think I have like a particular vision of the next six weeks and it's not necessarily to like, you know, sharpen your, sharpen your argument. You know, mm-hmm. I'm like, I, that's, that's not, I guess that's not the, the need I feel like we currently <laughs> yeah. have. No, that's um, a good, that's a good word. Actually. I think you're right. It's anyway. true. Yeah, it is true. Um, Hey, I, I just want to end with kind of a cool story. I'm actually staying at my 
brother-in-law's house here in in Alberta and uh he and he and the family uh, Tanya's family have been really good at like uh I just this is an example of of me kind of changing my mind on an issue um just in my many visits here to Alberta I've slowly as I've listened to their family just been educated in how Albertans understand the economy and pipelines and stuff like that and I think you know maybe lots of the listeners of the podcast if they know me a little bit might suspect that you know maybe I had an, a little bit of an anti-pipeline you know uh predisposition mm-hmm, yeah. <laughs> um and uh and I I love God's earth and I and I love the world and I grew up with a with parents who taught me to, you know, love the world. I'm camping with my, my family and in the mountains and my dad would write songs about trees and snow and (laughs) my dad's a painter, you know, and just had a love for creation and, you know, hiking and just, I just love the outdoors and and the beauty of God's world and, and really want to care for it and make sure that it's protected. And, and so, you know, when pipelines come up, especially living in BC and and most of the media I was hearing was just kind of anti-pipeline and, 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 and and I resonated with that, you know, really mm-hmm. did. But but through my years of coming to Alberta, I just realized um, that uh, you know I listened, and and the, and their argument was one that kind of made sense to me. You know, like as long as we're living in a world that uses oil based products, um, what's the best way to transport oil? Is it is it on a train? Well. Not really. We had these tragedies like Lac Megantique, you know, and mm. and uh, is it on a road? You know, where a guy nods off as he's driving down the highway, you know, with a bunch of, you know, oil, <laughs> you know, in a and a semi truck, or or is it on an ocean tanker, um, you know, coming from Saudi Arabia on a big ocean tanker and and spilling in the ocean and and hurting marine life and 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 then even think of human rights like. Do you do you want oil that comes from wages that are Canadian wages and paid for, you know, helping uh, the Albertans? Or do you, you know, is it coming from countries like Saudi Arabia that don't have good human rights records? And mm. and uh, are, are you, are, do you trust how that oil <laughs> money is being used? Um, and uh, and so, you know, I think one of the arguments that my family here has made is like, hey, listen, this is, you know, maybe oil isn't like ideal or it's it's but maybe this is the the least of evils you know um to to use canadian oil and 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 i feel for them you know alberta's had like tons of job losses and lots of people you know have lost their work and and it's it's devastated the province and and so i i guess what i'm saying is um i know there's other issues like first nations rights you know some some first nations communities want a pipeline others don't and so it gets complicated i get it i guess what i'm saying is i just want to offer this as an example of an area where i've i've moved a certain way um not to say i love oil that's hopefully people listening to this will understand the nuance here <laughs> like mm-hmm. it's not that i'm saying like i just love the alberta oil sands or something but i but it's been helpful to learn from tanya's family how to appreciate the real the real messiness of 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 the environment and pipelines and how it affects people's lives. And I feel like I just, I've been helped by her family and I, I now feel like I have a bit more of a, of an understanding of Western Canada and, and how people are actually feeling around this issue. And so, um, anyway, I've been grateful to them for really, you know, educating me on, on how to see this a little bit differently. So mm. anyway, I just offer that as an example of, of what's happened to me in the last maybe 10 years. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Really interesting. That's yeah. no, it's good. And at the very least, even to be like, where, and, and maybe I, can I just add this really quickly? I feel like sometimes the other thing is that we, we, there's like this myth of 
of the urgency sometimes too in in these kinds of arguments where it's like well i have to i got to pick a side like right now and and i think as i get older i'm realizing man there's there's actually so many issues where i'm i'm kind of on the fence like i actually don't know like i don't know for sure cuz i'm totally. like I think if I had, you know, like when you say like gun to your head, what would you, you know, it's like, okay, well then I, I guess I would choose the side of the fence that I'm kind of leaning on, but, but I certainly wouldn't do it like full heartedly and like, yep, hundred percent. No, like not a doubt in my mind. It's like, no, I think as I get older, I feel like there's more and more and more nuance that I'm becoming aware of. And I'm like, boy, it's hard to, it's hard to say 100% I feel this way, you know, and it sounds like for me, like with you and you're talking about pipelines and stuff, you're like, well, maybe it used to be where you're like, I'm fully planted in this side of the fence. And now yeah. I don't know where you're not necessarily saying same where you are, but you're maybe more like actually on the fence. And it's like, man, this actually is, it's way more complex than I thought it was, you know? Yes. Yes. That's what it's done, you know? And it, exactly. It's way more complex and it gives, and it gives me a heart for people on both sides, you know, for on the first nations community that doesn't want a pipeline. Oh, that's so hard. You know, on the Alberta family that, that literally lost multiple jobs due to the energy sector crumbling. Ah, that's so hard, you know, and, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and I drive a car that uses gas. So who am I to, (laughs) you know, like it's just, it's just, it's messy. It's really messy. But anyway, Mm, yeah. Yeah. Um, Hey, uh, can I end with a couple scriptures? Um, yeah, yeah, let's do that. That sounds good. <laughs> I'm just kidding. The loaded uh, question that you can't yeah, say exactly. no to. Yeah. Uh, love the words that, that Paul writes to Timothy in 2 Timothy uh, chapter 2. He says this. He says, don't have anything to do with foolish and stupid arguments. That's, that's the Bible, by the way. That's foolish and stupid arguments. I love that. Because <laughs> yeah. you, know, you know that they produce quarrels. And the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but must be kind to everyone, able to teach, not resentful. Opponents must be gently instructed in the hope that God will grant them repentance, leading to a knowledge of the truth. Um, Hmm. It's so beautiful, right? Paul just says, you engage, you absolutely engage, but you engage gently. Uh, Don't get involved in in the stupid arguments, but on the real ones. And the real and the real arguments, just teach well, don't be resentful, be gentle. And then I love the words from First John four. We love because he first loved us. Whoever mm. claims to love God yet hates a brother or sister is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they've seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. And he's given us this command anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. And to be clear, we're not brother and sister doesn't refer to your siblings necessarily. It's actually like people around you. That's right. Yeah. Well, it's, you know, I think he's talking about the church here. Like, and I think the hope here is that we can be, uh, I love John Tyson. I I shared this in the sermon, but how can a divided church ever heal a divided world? You know, Mm, and I, I think, I think we have to start at North Langley and both of our campuses going, hey, let's get healed so that mm-hmm. we can be a, a people of peacemaking and healing to the world around us. But it starts to get our own home in order. Yeah, yeah, that's good. And yeah. I love that quote. I think you used it in the sermon, but the Brene Brown, it reminds me of this, like where she says, it's hard to hate people close up, so move in. I remember you had said yes, uh, that yes. thing. And it's like, that's maybe one of the first steps, right, is to be like, okay, instead of shooting our missiles on social media <laughs> from our living room, uh, let's actually have conversations and let's respect each other and, um, and listen to each other and try to find some common ground and also move forward, you know? That's right. I like That's that. That's right. That's really good. Yeah, yeah man. 
Okay, well, so, I think I think we we nailed this, Matthew. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm just kidding. Um, no, just joking. That, but that was great. I think it's I think it's like I said. It feels so it feels so relevant for me. It certainly feels very timely and relevant in my life, and lots to think about and pray about, and actually trying to move in on you know and and try to do some tweaking. You know, I think it's yeah, it's very helpful. Totally. Cool. Well, hey, yeah. North Langley, we, we love you guys, and uh, we hope that the next uh, five weeks, six weeks, that you guys just really sense the spirit at work in your in your life groups and uh, or uh, um, apprentice groups or families, um, marriages, uh, whatever it is. Uh, we hope that you just sense uh, God doing a new work uh, in you. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. We love you guys. Uh, have an awesome week. We will chat with you soon. Yeah. Chat with you soon.